Welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's, a podcast trying to break the barriers and stigma around PD to lessen the fear. It's a disease no one likes to talk about. When people hear Parkinson's, they're afraid, even if they don't know exactly what it is. This podcast is led by Parkinson's patients talking about their daily life with PD. I'm your host, Jessica Krauser. Hi, and welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's. My name is Jessica Krauser, and I'm here with Brian Baker. Hello, Jessica. And today we have a special guest with us. Another special Another guest. special guest. We, <laughs> has, we have Ruth Stenberg. Hi, Ruth. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, and Ruth, actually, I know Ruth because her husband, Rick, exercises with us, and Rick has Parkinson's. Um, I'm not sure if you ever got a chance to meet Ruth until today. I don't think we have. Okay. I, mean, I think we've seen each other. But At some picnics yeah. and things. Brian, yeah. Ruth, some, some Ruth, Brian. Okay. He's nice most of the time. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to have you come on with us today and to talk to us about being a caregiver for um, a Parkinson's spouse, mm-hmm. family member. I'm sure all of the above. Um, but before we get started, I know Brian and I just wanted to let you know we really appreciate you coming on and yeah it's not easy to be vulnerable you know tell people what what goes on in your personal life and we appreciate you stepping in here and doing this for us sure i think what you're doing is important i think it'll help us from our perspective to Mm -hmm. see uh, from a caregiver perspective some of the things maybe that we can do that you know to help them help us Mm. so how do we, how can we help you, help, help us help you? Um, so anyways, why don't we just first just learn a little bit about you and Rick and when, how long you guys been married and okay. how many kids do you have, grandkids? <laughs> yeah, we have been married 51 years almost. Wow. And we have three kids um, and two of them live in the area and have grandchildren uh-huh. here. And then our daughter lives in New Jersey, and she has two grand or two kids who are mm-hmm. brand new grandchildren. So Aww, it's fun. fun. I bet that's got to be a lot of fun. Um, so when um, when was Rick diagnosed with Parkinson's? How long ago? It's been maybe six years ago. Oh, okay. Was it a surprise? Did you know something was up? We knew something was up. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really have the physical symptoms, per se, didn't have tremors. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit slower, but then we were getting older. And it really was friends who said, has he you know, seen somebody lately? Has he he's just seems more hesitant, more withdrawn, more um, not willing to, to do things like mm-hmm. he used to? So we made the appointment, and um, we were absolutely floored when the doctor said, "You have Parkinson's." And so was he, were you really? Did you make an appointment with a neurologist or? A well, he physician? his his uh, primary physician made it made the appointment or gave them a referral. Did, they, did the did the primary physician give you any kind of heads up, or did he just refer you over? No. So so it was a complete surprise. It was a complete surprise, and. Part of the really bad part is that his father had Parkinson's, and uh-huh. this was 30-something years ago, mm-hmm. so medications were brand new, Yeah, and his father didn't do any kind of exercise, and he had been in a very high-profile job, had been in a, a volunteer organization, the president of the whole thing, and um, started noticing things, and then retired from everything, and just sort of the bottom dropped out. 
And so it was really hard. So I think it's an issue today because Rick will say, oh, that's like my dad. Mm-hmm. Or in his mind, I know he thinks that's what I'm going to be like. And because his father didn't have the support, his mother didn't have any support, didn't understand, um, there were a lot of struggles. So what kind of support do you guys feel that you have now that Rick's parents did not have? Well, I think the medications, um, the fact that there's so much more known about the disease and that they're continually tweaking uh, things. I think the PD Next Steps family, Mm -hmm. really the uh, incentive to exercise. He's exercised his whole life. I mean, he used to go to the Y and open the doors at four in the morning and exercise. So Mm -hmm. this has been a lifelong thing that he's done, which I think has been good for him. But I think the knowledge that we've been able to gain, the support, the friendships, Mm -hmm. uh, all of the above has really made a huge difference. How has it affected you? Because that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about. Like we always talk about the patient's journey. What has uh, like your journey been as being the care partner? Like when he was diagnosed, like what did you go through? What? Well, and I had obviously known his father when he went mm-hmm. through that, so I had some of the same um, expectations that within a year he would be, mm-hmm. you know, not mobile, not uh, uh, will able to talk. Yeah, you know, I had a little bit of, of that too, um, and I think it's been. It's a bit of a dance, sort of, because I want to be supportive. Mm-hmm. I want to put him in situations where he's going to thrive and enjoy what he's doing. Um, on the other hand, I've kept up my entire life. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I I don't work anymore, but I'm very active in volunteer and exercise on my own. Mm-hmm. So some of the times you just worry, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Mm-hmm. And that varies according to what's going on with him. So to me, it's very much, it's no day is like yesterday. Mm-hmm. So. so let's talk about your traveling. Because oh, yeah. Did you guys always travel? Yes. Like... Yeah far or you just do like road trips like what type of um no we uh rick was a scuba diver and so our two sons uh took their certification and he took them on trips uh-huh. uh where they could go diving we took the boys because our daughter was too little out west on the train um we've gone to canada many many times um so we did a lot of traveling when the kids were little because everybody kept saying wait until they're older and I thought I'm not going to wait because you know they're never going to be this way again mm-hmm. so so we've really done a lot and then we've continued after the kids left to do the things that we wanted to do yeah so how, how has the Parkinson's impacted that at all, has it at all? well the, the first uh, year after he was diagnosed we were supposed to do a long distance bike ride We've always ridden bikes, and we've done some uh, trips with Road Scholar that involved biking uh, in Florida. Mm -hmm. And we were signed up to do another one, and he basically said, I I don't think I can do this. Did he physically think he couldn't do it, or emotionally he just didn't No, physically. Because even when we were on the previous one, Mm -hmm. he was always at the front of the pack Mm -hmm. when we rode. um, And he was behind and and Mm -hmm. struggling somewhat physically. So he still said, you know, that was just an aberration. I, I just wasn't feeling good, whatever. So we signed up for another one. And that was when, you know, he said, it's, I can't do it. So did you just take 
time or a year off from traveling altogether or just staying away from those types of activities? Yes. Okay. Yes, because we had planned to do a week on the other end of that trip in Florida. So we went ahead and did that part. Mm -hmm. We just didn't do the bike part of it. How does he do with... Um with traveling how, how are you guys um he has a lot of anxiety about it mm -hmm. um, but he's created a system i mean he has a list of this is what i am taking with me and he has he knows where he's going to put it he keeps his meds in a special backpack and they stay with us no matter what we're doing because he's concerned about mm -hmm. leaving them or losing them but um i think it's the anxiety more and then I try to plan the trips mm -hmm. so that they're going to um, be not as stressful. So um, we uh, plan ahead. I make reservations mm -hmm. so we know where we're going to stay. I try to stay somewhere two to three nights so there's some continuity so that we're comfortable. Um, we just took a train trip, and that was a little bit... Uh, unnerving uh -huh. just because it was new and we it was COVID and that was a little bit of yeah. an issue but we're glad we did it and where else do you go um well we've been in the last year we've sort of lucked out with COVID kind yeah. of stuff we did a uh, boat trip around New England around the ports of New England nice. and for Parkinson's people I think at least with the anxiety being able to unload your clothes into a, uh -huh. a you know, in, on a ship, and then not have to repack and unpack, and that mm -hmm. stuff made it yeah. nice. What? I'm just thinking. I when I right after I got diagnosed, I had to work, travel for work. And I couldn't zip my suitcase. Oh, really? Yeah, I had literally. I had to have somebody help me zip my suitcase because I couldn't. Mm. It would, I Did couldn't, you overpack and you had to like step on it? And well, <laughs> I, it, was, it was a work trip, but yeah, yeah it probably had too much in there. But I yeah. think I couldn't get Those it down. Those zippers it, are yeah. always finicky, anyways. Yeah, so yeah. it was funny. I think so having somebody to yeah. <laughs> zip your suitcase. <laughs> so you know, getting into the kind of the nitty gritty of Parkinson's, what's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome personally? Um, you know, from that side of things. Um, it's probably, like I said before, the dance that, you know, what I've done before, what I did yesterday may not work as well today. Mm -hmm. So being able to sort of adjust, um, one of the things, and he knows this, that really bugs me is when we're supposed to be somewhere, mm -hmm. we always have been late for everything we've ever done. So, <laughs> hmm. but it just takes forever to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so that's been frustration of mine because we'll be ready i think we're ready and yeah. we're not ready so i'm late all the time everything so maybe i should start <laughs> blaming everything. it on it's parkinson's that's well, making and, me late but yeah and he's come up with the list you know he has six things that he has to have yeah. uh, with him before we leave the house and that's made it a little bit better uh, the first big trip we took after he was diagnosed was a river cruise in vietnam and cool. cambodia and that was the big thing was still leaving the cabin and do I have everything I'm going to need? Uh -huh. But that's where he came up with the six things. Yeah. And so hmm. that that's a reassuring thing that he can do. Yeah. Are the six things like more than just medication? Oh, it's or... like watch, phone, oh, glasses. Okay. Like as long as he has keys. those things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've That was, so traveling was one of the hot topics at our house when I was first diagnosed because, you know, we're, 
um, I was diagnosed at 37 and we're at the height of our careers where we're trying to save money for retirement and, and other mm-hmm. things so we can, I mean, we travel now, but not like what I expect that we would do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that the travel piece came into question a lot of, will I be able to, and will, you know, can I go on long walks if we go to Italy or Greece or mm-hmm. am I going to want to get on a plane? Did you ever think of that? Like, I, I have this, so that's, that causes me anxiety right there. When I think, when I think, about leaving, when I think about leaving my house to go spend the night someplace or go to even just a friend's house for the hangout for the evening, that causes me anxiety. Cause, really? Yeah. Cause it's like, how am I going to feel? I started thinking about days, but days before, like, what if I don't feel good? You know, yeah. instead of just, before, you know, you just go with so the you flow. you put yourself in that. Yeah, you though. put, I oh, totally do. And I was like, you know, I, got, I, I won't commit to going to a cookout because I don't know how I'm going to feel that day, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know I'm going to feel fine. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to do, do fine there. I and I when I stop. But you talk yourself out of it. I, I, it's, in, it's, a, it's a build up to it, you know, and like the anxiety, like I it's going to my parents to stay the night at my parents up, up to the lake, Lake Erie, you know, they're just. How am I going to sleep? Am I going to be able to sleep well? And you know, that, really? yeah, like that stuff just runs in my head. Like I don't think of any of that. Oh, like you know, what am I going to do if I don't sleep well? And yeah. you know, what if I don't feel well? And then I, you know, mm-hmm. and my, you know, my dad and I go fishing a lot. So what if I don't feel like going fishing? And I and I always do. I do, but it's <laughs> it's a thought yeah. in my head. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, but I've never had a situation where I'm like, oh, like when my son traveled for playing lacrosse, like we travel out of state and. It never bothered. Never had thought. Like I, I'm not going to miss his lacrosse game. Huh. You know, mm-hmm. so never. I never. Yeah. I never thought about. Yeah. That, so it's like the reason that. behind it. Or yeah. Something. So, so long as you get a little motivation to yeah. do something. Yeah. Well, and I have to pretty much convince Rick to to go. I mean, I'll I'll start slow and say, you know, let's. <laughs> How about we think about doing this? And he'll, mm, I don't know, I don't know. And then I wait a week or two and I say, well, look, I just saw something on this place and that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And and so by the time, and, and with the train, I knew that would be stressful. And I said, this is what I want to do. This is how much it's going to cost. This is how much it's going to work. And he said, let me think about it. So he thought about it and he said, if that's something you really want to do, mm-hmm. we'll do it. Do you so. think traveling helps him in some ways? Like if you guys didn't travel, like if you were just mm-hmm. like, this is what he's dealing with, we just can't go anywhere, we're strapped to being home. What do you think that would do to him, like emotionally or physically? Do you think it would be different? I think it, he really benefits from the travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, once he's doing it, he he's never said, I, I don't want to do that mm-hmm. again, or I didn't have a good time. I mean, he'll talk about what we did or what mm-hmm. we saw or or whatever. So I know doing it is good for good. him. Um, frankly, it would probably be me that would be feeling really restrained, and I'm afraid I would get resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hasn't yeah. happened. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. But I. But he's he's once he does it, he's he's much better. Yeah. Yeah. But the thought, like the anxiety, like you were saying, yeah. of, of the, how's it going to go? The buildup of it's worse than in my head than actually mm-hmm. doing it. So. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a decent number of people within our little group group, I guess, that travel. cohort, whatever you want to call yeah. us. Um, yeah, they travel our community. Our community, I yeah. Guess. yeah. Well, and I, I think too with COVID, you know, you've had to be careful. We've been limited to where yeah. you can do go and when you can go. And that's a concern. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I do have to say, though, again, like I was 
to the point of our community, like, you know, how many people go to Florida mm-hmm. and Arizona and like all these different places. I know a couple of them just, one just went to Spain, another one's going to Greece. So that has me energized and feeling like, okay, like mm-hmm. there are people that I see who've had it for years and they can do it like, no, I don't want to say without a problem, mm-hmm. but they plan for it. They, you know, take other things into consideration and can still do it. And I think that's really big. Yeah, I think it's just like for me, I always just tell people like if we're going to go do something and I don't feel like doing it, just go do it and don't feel bad for me. I'm going to stay in the house. Yeah, and relax. And relax and, you know, sleep and I'll feel better. But yeah. I, I guess that's that's part of the anxiety of having. I don't want to ruin anybody else's fun, so I don't want to. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I don't want to be the party pooper. Well, I build in, you know, a nap times. I build in times my, when we're not going to do anything. <laughs> what? Can you play my vacation? <laughs> can we just go on vacation with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, like, if are there. Um, is there any advice that you've gotten from other caregivers or that you, you know, are there other caregivers that you talk to? Like that, do you have your own community? Yes. And who yeah. is that comprised of? Um, for the most part, it's spouses, mm-hmm. uh, wives, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, people will call each other. We'll, we'll go out to lunch. We'll get together. We, um, you know, I, I think people feel pretty free to call each other. That's good. And say, I'm having a really hard time, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think? And mm-hmm. um, so, I, you know, I feel the support because of PD Next Steps, the, the support that's there, you know, it's a... Because of the one, Care Partners group? Yes. That's there? Okay. Yeah. What about um, family? Did you guys talk to family right away when... Um, pretty much... Yeah, we in fact, <laughs> when we first moved to Columbus, we had our kids together and had a special dinner and told them we were moving to Columbus, which was not what any of them wanted at the time and has turned out wonderfully. Mm-hmm. But the same thing, we took the adult kids out for dinner one night and told them. And as I think most families, they knew something mm-hmm. was going on, but they didn't know what it was. And the, at least the boys remembered their grandfather. So immediately that was their first thought, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, we've tried to get the kids together to do something. And they they say every time, nothing's going on, is it? Is it just a family thing? We're just going out to dinner, right? <laughs> Nobody has anything to tell yeah. us. <laughs> well, that's good, though. I mean, it's, it's not, I know it's hard for people to be open and honest with their family members or, you know, friends. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think it helps through like the healing process or at least the support mm-hmm. to have that um, type of, of group and that um, ability to share. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, long-term friends knew something was mm-hmm. going on. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard to hide. Yeah. And he still doesn't have a lot of the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's more, uh, he does have a few, but most of it is the emotional, mm-hmm. psychological, cognitive issues. And those are hard to hide. And there's those are hard to, one, diagnose and get certain medications for. Not mm. not that it's hard to get medications for, but there's not always a medication for certain things, Or right? it's just like other medications. You start taking this, and then it reacts with this, and mm-hmm. then it's too much of that, and it's too, you know. So yeah. the tweaking of it is, is really important and sort of an ongoing. So if you had to give any advice to a caregiver, a new caregiver, what is something that you wish you knew or that you could tell somebody? 
Um, I hesitate to say educate yourself because there's so much stuff out there, you know, on the internet. But go to the sites that the you know Michael J. Fox and the mm -hmm. Parkinson's Foundation, mm -hmm. and get information. Ask your doctor for information. Go with your partner to the appointments mm -hmm. and be a um, backup because I know at least for all of us I think we go to the doctor and they say how are you and you go fine <laughs> but <laughs> you know so I always feel like I, I don't say anything at the doctor's until there's something that he's missing mm -hmm. and then I figure that chime that's in. my job to chime in and yeah. make sure that so I guess you know it, it, life goes on and mm -hmm. it's different now than it was um, but other things are happening as well. Other things are making it different. So um, just be as flexible as you can be. So what is something that Rick does maybe or that that helps you out with, help helps you help him? Occasionally he'll tell me, like he'll have trouble finding a word and I won't say anything. And then afterwards he'll say, thank you. Hmm. He said, you know, I knew I was gonna get it, but I, I you know, I want to do it on my own. That's good. So he he's good at feedback. That actually, that's really, I think, a great takeaway from this is for us patients to give our caregiver, care partner feedback. Mm -hmm. Like let them, like I'm, at least at this stage right now, I'm the opposite. Like if I can't figure find a word, like I get... I'm annoyed that I can't, and I'm like, so just somebody just say it for me, you know? Mm. But telling them, just saying, like, I like this or I want this because no one can read your mind, mm -hmm. and you don't know, like, in any situation, I always feel like people always uh, have issues of, like, I don't know how to react or how what I should say to people or what I should do, this and that. And so if we as the patients can just be open and upfront and give that feedback, I think that's really good. And sometimes he says, I didn't like that you did X right. or Y. And right. that's important, too. Yeah. Nah, not all feedback is good feedback, no. right? <laughs> oh, all feedback is good. Just... This is not positive. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, that's a better way to put it. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. Um, again, we really appreciate you just opening up and sharing uh, the information that you had to share. And it'll go a long way with a lot of people, I'm sure. Well, and we appreciate, uh, I'll speak for the other care partners, you know, we appreciate you guys and reaching out and doing what you're doing, educating people. Thank you. Well, in our last 30 seconds, I'll leave you with this. Caregivers come in all forms, a parent, spouse, child, relative, or even a friend. So for all the caregivers listening out there, I know a lot of mine and Brian's are listening. We want to say thank you and we appreciate all that you are doing. Being a care partner can be a roller coaster of emotions, I'm sure. So find programs and resources like the Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Parkinson's Foundation so you have the tools you need to stay healthy and feel supported. Thank you guys for all that you do, and thanks for tuning in. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, 
diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.